We're great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. I'm Paul Moore here with Herman Eben. It's an honor to be here, Paul. And it's a blessing to have you, sir, and everyone else, which is kind of scary because I've got something I'm a little preoccupied about, and it's simply this. As you know, I'm fixing to get married, and I have a question, a preoccupation that's starting to borderline on fear. Mm-hmm. We know a lot of people who are married, and I've heard a lot of them say that what used to attract them to the other person, what really turned them on about them, now turns them off, annoys, and irritates them. (laughs) That is not unnatural at all. You're right. I mean, it is so typical of the things that attract us to actually start irritating us or annoying us after we are married. Some people refer to it as this psychological switch that goes on. And when you're married, that psychological switch is flipped and all of a sudden all the past baggage and everything that you've done kind of comes into the marriage at that point in time. And you end up creating these type of issues. Okay, well, you work with a lot of people. Can you help me find the switch? Can I secretly get in there and turn it (laughs) off? Turn turn it off, that's right. (laughs) Well, the reason why I'm asking, the last time we were together, you specifically talked and you gave the case of you and Louie, and that's why I'm asking now. I'm divorced. I know how not to do marriages right. I don't know how to do relationships right. Now I'm about to get married. You and Louie have persevered. Bless God. So the last time we were together, you said that what saved your marriage was confession and forgiveness. That's it? That's it, actually. There is obviously actions that are needed with it, and we told you a few of those actions, and I'll repeat those in a minute. The issue for us, though, is to come back to the picture. The picture is two people walking side by side. Why do they end up not walking side by side? Because they allow all of these annoyances, these irritations, these things that we end up treating each other incorrectly to start separating you again. And therefore, forgiveness and confession is going to be needed to get over those issues. Let those issues be in the past again. Okay. I know that I remember confession and forgiveness, and I'm thinking that's the only actions that were required, right? Well, it's not actions from that viewpoint. Those are going to drive additional better actions. The action that you really need that covers all of this, what do you think is the biggest action? It's always love always pursuing the best. I'm not willing to confess unless I'm willing to pursue your best. It's always I'm willing to forgive if I'm willing to pursue your best. Okay, you just thumped me on the head because you took me back to the fundamental question. I I was hoping to hear something else, but you've taken me back to the fundamental question. Am I doing what God asked me to do or am I doing what I wanted to do and now I'm not happy? Absolutely. That is so, so critical. That fundamental decision operates in everything. And if you're willing to do what God is asking you to do, guess what he's asking us to do as husbands and as even friends, as co-workers, as any type of relationship, leader or employee, any, it doesn't matter. I am to pursue the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. That's what my job is to be doing. I get you, but my brain really has a hard time building a a bridge from here to there. Mm -hmm. I'm here in the muck and the mire, and I want to get over to this happiness side, and I don't see this bridge of love. And I guess that prayer is required. We do need to pray, don't we? We haven't prayed yet, have we? I thought we did. <laughs> so let's, let's pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to, again, share your word. And I pray that you will 
enlighten us with the simplicity of what you have offered to us, what you have given us the opportunity to do for each other, pursue the best, and use these two wonderful tools of confession and forgiveness. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) See, I told you, I just simply can't get from here to there. I can't build that bridge. I'm in the muck and the mire, and I'm not even there yet. Imagine that. I'm not even married yet. We're still all nice and flowery, but, but just look, preoccupation. But just look at your statements here. Preoccupation, fear. Where is that being driven from? It goes back to the problem. It's actually about you. You don't realize it, but your thinking and your preoccupation with this is actually a flashing me moment rather than, you know what? This isn't about me. It's about me pursuing the best for her. What does she need at this point in time? Great. So flashing me moments, not allowed. Flashing you moments are permitted. Always permitted. Always permitted. Okay. Well, what about this idea? Because I've seen other people. I mean, I'm not there yet. Okay. I was there. See other people doing it, but I'm not there. What about people who just say, you know what? I don't have to focus on this. If I can just do the romance, everything will be okay. Yeah, that's that's another one of those symptoms. That's another one of those things that the world wants you to believe. We just have more coffee appointments and, you know, date night and maybe some random texts. I'm I'm all for all of those issues, but they are secondary to confession and forgiveness. They're secondary to deciding to pursue the best for others. That's the issue for us. Those are seen. Those are seen as the answer. They're not the answer. It's a it's a it's a bandaid on an open wound that it's it's not it's not going to solve the issue. The issue is whether you're willing to get rid of the obstacles that are between the two of you that are preventing you from enjoying those date nights, from enjoying the romance, for from enjoying those times together. If you don't get rid of those issues, the past is ruling you and you will not be able to come back together and enjoy life. And that's what ends up causing this idea of what attracted me to you now turns me off or annoys me or irritates me. It's because you've allowed some of those things to enter in between the two of you and you're not willing to deal with them. You're not willing to go, you know what, that's just wrong the way I've been thinking about you. That's just wrong. Or... You know, I, I'm just, that doesn't sound comfortable at all. It is not comfortable. In fact, one of the things that we do in our leadership, our great leaders course, is literally practice the whole idea of apology. And we'll talk about that, the four A's of apology at some point. But we are so bad at apology. Now, here's here's my theory. I think I can prove it from my own life, but you can think about it from your life. Why would I be so bad at apology? Because I don't practice it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that so that simple, right? And we'll we'll share a four A process on how to do apology. It fits into the wonderful issue and the wonderful tool of confession. Apology is kind of a way we talk about confession, but it's not not the power of confession. It's really not, not what it is. But we'll we'll teach you a four A process. Okay, I'm I'm wanting to get away from this because it feels so bad. I'm actually sweating. I just want to ask you this. Does the Bible say I have to do this, or is this your opinion? Meaning uh, confess, meaning forgive? Yes. Of course. (laughs) You can find so many passages talking about the Lord is saying we are to forgive because he has forgiven us. Those are the key issues. And 1 John 1, 9, of course, is talking very clearly about confession, that if we uh, confess to him, he's going to 
cause our life to be cleansed from unrighteousness. That it restores, re- restores our relationship with Not him necessarily again. consequences, but restores so, relationship. So again, just think about this. These two powerful tools are available to us. And the issue that typically happens with couples, we get so tied up in all of these side issues and all of these past issues that we forget about the simplicity. I am to be pursuing her best or she's to be pursuing my best. And I, therefore, have done something that needs to be confessed or she's done something that I need to forgive. I I just don't want those things keeping me apart from her anymore. But in the meantime, go to our website, greatrelationships.com, or if you can't get to the computer and you don't want to find us and like us on Facebook at GR numeral 8 Relationships, then give us a call at 1-800-819-4293. Again, that's 800-819-4293, or GR numeral 8 Relationships, greatrelationships.com. Thoughts for Great Relationships Knowing and practicing this definition of love is the key to all good relationships. Love is seeking the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You don't have to sing the blues about today's issues. Learn to think biblically with Worldview Academy's Bill Jack with simple tools for brain surgery. Muslims believe that women are nothing more than chattel, property, much like a piece of furniture. A Muslim male may have up to four wives according to Islamic law. If a wife displeases her husband, he can divorce her simply with no obligation. She, however, has no recourse legally. Islam is a very chauvinistic, male-centered worldview that oppresses females. Jesus, on the other hand, liberated women. He treated them with respect and dignity. Paul wrote, In Christ is neither male nor female. The Redeemer Jesus came to offer salvation to all, men and women. That's true liberation, another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, call 1-800-2411-123. And we're back. Great Relationships, GR8, numeral8relationships.com is the website, or find us and like us on Facebook. That's Great Relationships, GR8, run in with the word relationships. But on the website, it's really cool stuff. You can sign up for the e-newsletter. You can get audio copies of this program. Even look at the workbook. See, Herman, I'm willing to talk about anything but the problem, and that's where we started, (laughs) was the fact that I have this preoccupation that's kind of turning into a fear. And as a Christian, I don't want to say that I'm afraid of of anything because it makes it seem like I don't have any faith. But the truth is you had mentioned something about confession. So am I supposed to be okay just by saying, look, this person attracted me because they're outgoing, they're spontaneous, maybe they're a great athlete, or maybe they're kind of a homebody or the fact that nothing bothers or ever phases them. Yeah, what typically happens in in the relationship prior to marriage is we are actually believing something that's not true. If I can 
it is just like me with Louie. I was attracted to Louie because everybody loves Louie. I'm typically more staid and I typically am more reserved and people don't get attracted to me all that much. So I'm attracted to her because she is so outgoing and everything. And she was attracted to me. Why? Because I have this steadiness available and she was wanting that steadiness. So we get attracted to each other. And then when you get married, like we were talking about earlier, this psychological switch, click, and then she starts looking at me going, he's just a stick in the mud. And I start looking at her with the idea of she, all she wants to do is, you know, party all the time. You know, what's wrong? What's wrong with this? The, the issue for us is we end up complaining about the very things that are attracted to us in the first place. Right. How does that work? You signed up for it. And it's because we believe that that other person is going to somehow fulfill us. Now think about that. I am not outgoing and therefore, I'm attracted to somebody that I think has kind of a, a, a way to fill this hole in my life. And notice where that started from, uh, flashing me in reality. I don't think of it that way, but I'm attracted to them because they would somehow fulfill me. And that's where some of this wording comes from that you complete me. No, that's not really true. It, there, is, there is some essence of that, but if we go into the designs that we uh, have talked about on the website and in all of the videos that we have, but the, here's, here's what typically happens. We end up getting into that relationship thinking that that other person is going to fulfill us somehow. In reality, it drives us to not want that anymore because they are different than we, and we therefore try to make them become more like us. I don't enjoy the fact that she's partying and likes to party and likes other people. I really would like her to become more like me. So beforehand, you want them to fulfill you. Once you get married, you're wanting them to become like you. Okay, now I'm a little confused because I've also been told, you know, when we date, we give a lot of grace that we don't grant to our partners. That's exactly right. And then you said we also tend to negotiate. We're looking for something in them that completes us. I don't know if I've consciously had that conversation lately, but obviously subconsciously I am. Right. You not only typically do those type of things, because here's two truisms that typically happen. These are very interesting truisms that we say all the time. Couples deserve each other. Whoa, that's a, that's a big one. And secondly, you tend to marry someone of similar emotional health. Now, that one was really important for me to hear because... I typically have this arrogance to think that I do life right and the people around me aren't. And especially I was applying that to Louis. That's think, arrogance. I feel the same way. <laughs> and that's the reason why we get into this. What attracted you to me now irritates me and annoys me because you do give that grace beforehand. And then when you are married, you, those type of things typically irritate you. But it's really important to recognize that you might have this high and mighty attitude about yourself, but you more than likely were attracted to this person. And they are very similar to you. It's just not showing in exactly the same way. Okay, I don't want to sound as childish as I am, but this is like whatever I say, you're rubber and I'm glue. Mm -hmm. So if I've been in a conversation where I say you keep making irrational decisions or I think you're very naive or you're behaving childish, I'm pointing at me. It could be. But the issue is you are certainly making life about you because you're saying that she needs to change. No, no, she really, it'll actually be better for the relationship if she stays 
herself. Now, does she need to think about changing some of her behavior? Certainly. That is always an issue. We always need to be thinking about how we aren't doing life the way God wants us to do it. The fundamental decision in life, right? Am I doing what God asked me to do or am I doing what I want to do? Okay. So in the previous segment, you had talked about confession. Mm -hmm. Confession is something that God wants me to do. You gave me biblical reasons to do that. But what I'm starting to see is my idea of confession doesn't necessarily align with God's and that my idea of confession doesn't involve a change of heart. Yeah. And confession is really necessary if you can understand that I tend to marry somebody of similar emotional health and couples deserve each other. I need to confess to them first to God, then to man. I need to confess to God first and foremost that I am ignoring that God put that person in my life for a good reason. And yes, I did make a choice. I don't know how that works. God's sovereignty in my choice. I don't know how that works. But nevertheless, I need to first confess on that. I need to consider it from that viewpoint. And what you have an opportunity to do here is understand. I would love for everybody to go to the website and see us talk about confession in chapter eight, the last part of chapter eight, confession. And you're going to see that confession is talked about in the spelling of the word confess. Right. You've got an acronym in the video. That's right. C stands for choose humility. O stands for own your guilt. Don't ignore it or excuse it. N stands for name the real offense, not something else. F stands for feel the offense as they felt it. E stands for earnestly repent of your sin. S stands for soberly confess your sin to God. And then finally, the last S stands for sincerely thank God for the conflict. All of that said, here's what I'm going to wrap it up with. A very simple, straightforward definition. Confession is an outward expression of an inward change of heart. And I've heard people say something like this. If I confess, is, isn't that all I need to do? You mean I can, I can end up just, just confessing and just go on with life and not actually put romance maybe into the, into the relationship or actually start pursuing the best? I, don't have, I can just confess? No, that isn't confession. Confession is an outward expression of what? an inward change of heart. Therefore, I desire to not do it that same way again. I desire not to complain about how they are now. I desire to accept them how they are right now and speak the truth when there is bad behavior, but I'm not, not trying to make them become like me. That is the big difference. Now you're talking about confession and a change of heart. And for this to be true, to be biblical, what God wants takes me back to that fundamental choice. That's right. Do I want to do what God's asking me to do, or do I want to do what I want to do? And what God's asking me to do is love. That's right. Pursuing another's best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Another great way to define confession is agreement with God. Now, see how this ties to the fundamental decision of life? I'm reading God's word, and God says, I'm to confess, 1 John 1, 9. I'm to confess, oh, I agree with you, Lord. Your way is much better than my way. I'm going to agree with you. Okay, that draws me into an agreement with God. I'm still looking at my partner, and how am I going to say, I don't like the fact that you're a homebody. There, I confessed. 
it's not just a matter of confessing. It's a matter of you literally carrying it to the place where you're saying, yeah, that's that's the way they are. Am I willing to accept them the way they are? Or am I going to try to change them? Because the more you end up staying in the frame of, I'm just not comfortable with them being a homebody anymore. Am I willing to care about them? Am I willing to pursue their best patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally? Am I still willing to do that? That's the crux of the issue. And some people are going to be going, well, wait, 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 wait. Aren't you supposed to make them change? No, it's not my job okay, to make Okay, but change. aren't I justified that these activities maybe aren't in our best interest? They aren't necessarily in your best interest. They are, though, their decision of whether they're going to do what's right or not. Great relationships. That's gr numeral eight relationships.com, the website. You can find us and like us on Facebook or easier still. Give us a call at 1 800 819 4293. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. You are not responsible for your family tree, but you are responsible for your limb and the acorns that fall from it. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great. And not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And we're back. Great relationships. GR8relationships.com is the website, and you can dig as deep as your heart desires into this material. And bless God, there's not a step you don't take that doesn't return some kind of dividend. Herman, when we started at the top of the program, I was talking about the fact I'm fixing to get married. I've got this preoccupation. It's turning into a fear that the very things we like about each other are going to end up repelling us from one another or at least ignoring us. Yeah, you're, you have that fear, and it's a real fear because it's going to happen because you're going to end up looking at her and wanting her to be different. And, and what we have stated is that is what typically happens to most couples, and those type of things things, wanting the person to be different than who they really are starts creating separations and you have actually sinned against them or they've sinned against you. And the only two tools to bring you to get back together is confession and forgiveness. That's okay, the way it but works. That's where I was at. You were talking about confession before the break. Mm -hmm. The first is that 
she's dealing with the same issues. That's right. And she now is. you said it's not if it happens. You said it's a when it it's, happens. It's a when it's going to happen. And then you said I need confession, but confession in my little mind stands for when I've done something wrong. How did I do something wrong? You did something wrong by literally not loving her and not accepting her for where she is. This is not going to bode well when I go home. No, it won't. It will not bode well at all because anytime we are operating in trying to change another person, we violated the description that we have given to everyone's solution. Pursuing the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. We violated that. That's sin. And the heart of a relationship is to know a person for who they are and still, now listen to that, the heart of a relationship is to know a person for who they are and still love, value, and accept them. That is a critical aspect for us to consider this. Okay, so confession. Do I really have to go, I mean, before the break you said first to God, then to man. Do I really need to confess, or is it just something I can do in my private prayer closet and God and I are cool with that? Wonderful question, because too many people miss out on the reality of what confession is. They truly miss out on what the issue related to forgiveness is. But confession is very strongly stated in God's word that it is a first to God, then to man. You, if you don't go confess to them how you've wronged them, you don't give them an opportunity to get over it. Now, they have their own choice. That's where they can forgive you. But you, you make it easier for them to consider getting over it if you go confess. More importantly, the reason why you're confessing, put this in your mind because it's so important. It's not to make it easy on them. The key reason that you're confessing is because you have sinned. And when you have sinned, it's time for you to agree with God that it's sin and to restore that relationship with him. So if I don't do those things, I don't give a chance for the obstacles to be removed between us. So then the next question is, how do I do this? Well, I would love for everybody to spend the time with the videos online because it gives you all the details that you need. How each one of those steps in the C-O-N-F-E-S-S work to see the scriptural background and all of that. There's some really important issues, plus there's some guidelines on how to meet with each other and go through the process of forgiveness. Very important issues. Take your time to go out there and do that. For the short term, right now, let me give you four A's to think about. Let me give you the four A's to make this as simple as possible now, to apply. this is also in the material out on the website. It's in that same chapter that I'm asking you to go out and see, chapter 8. Let me give you the four A's on how you can go through forgiveness. You can agree. That's the first A. I agree, meaning I was wrong. And you want to describe specifically what you did wrong, because if you stop with, you know, I, I'm wrong, that is not describing what it is that you did. You need to name the specific offense that you were wrong in doing. So I agree, this was wrong. Second A, acknowledge. Acknowledge that this has hurt them and maybe even hurt other people. So I agree this is wrong, and I acknowledge that this has hurt you and other people. The third A, I want to admit. I want to admit regret and I want to re admit repentance that I don't want to be doing this again. Okay, this third A, are you sure it's not a J? I'm justifying? That's what we end up trying to do. <laughs> we tend to end up trying to get away from it in some it's form. It's A-A-J-A, right? No, 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 it's not. It's agree, acknowledge, 
admit. And this is the this is the part where you end up repenting. And keep in mind that repentance is a 180 degree turn. Uh, repentance is basically saying, I was going in this direction and I'm now going to go in exactly the opposite direction. That's what repentance is. And then the fourth A is very important because I can agree, I can acknowledge, in other words, I can agree that I've done something wrong. I can acknowledge that I've hurt them and others, and I can admit repentance and all those things, but it's really important that we also announce plans and actions that we're going to take in order to not be doing that again. Here is how I'm going to prevent myself from moving that direction again. Okay, the four A's, agree, acknowledge, admit, and announce. You want me to do this first to God and then to my partner. That's right. Herman, I thank you. You know, we've talked a lot about confession, which is funny. I didn't know this is where we were going to go. And clearly the forgiveness carrot is out there dangling, also available at our website in the videos. Great Relationships, that's grnumeral8relationships.com, the website. Give us a call at 1-800-819-4293. May I help you, miss? Yes, I'd like to buy some forgiveness. Very good, Mum. What kind of forgiveness were you looking for? We are running some specials on forgiveness from bitterness, grudges, and revenge. Do you sell forgiveness from another person? Oh, no, Mum. That would be very bad form. One would never ask for forgiveness from another person. Forgiveness is not about the other person. How does forgiveness work, then? What are the benefits? Forgiveness pleases God. It imitates God. It's one of the few ways that you can do that. And forgiveness pursues another's best. But best of all, forgiveness will allow you to escape some very serious consequences. That sounds great. I could use some freedom, too. You know what? I'll take one of each. Well, let me cash or charge. Great relationships were pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.